0: This is the Mulberry Lane Show, Show. brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry, and online at elisailana.com. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities, your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Alley Cat.
1: Be a part of
2: the family. Hey, it's the weekend and you guys know what that means. It's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Alright! Yeah. Yeah. It's Allie here with your radio
3: sisters Rachel and Bo, and we are so glad you're right here with us hanging out. Oh yeah! Another hot weekend, the weather-wise and guest-wise. Let's get to those guest sisters. Let's do it! <laughs> The Mulberry Lane show's on
2: Celebrity story songs You're gonna have it going on When we tell you who's stopping by now Well, up first today is Brandon Heath
4: Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can't see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity
2: now, singer-songwriter Brandon Heath has, get this, five Dove Awards, five Grammy nominations, an Emmy Award, and he's BMI's 2014
3: Songwriter of the Year. Quite a list. <laughs> okay, who's next, Rachel? Well then it's author Chris Grabenstein. Now this kids book author Has a new book out called Welcome to Wonderland 2 Beach Party Surf Monkey Sounds fun <laughs> Yes you're going to get the scoop On how he keeps kids engaged And his career as a jingle writer And improv actor A lot of fun with Chris today mm-hmm. Chris Grabenstein. Kibo hey, who's next Singer songwriter Morgan James. Okay, if you are a singer, a vocalist, you are going to dig this interview. Now, Morgan gets very honest about singing in the studio, how she made the switch from the classical voice to the big, soulful voice she has today. Technique. She talks microphones and finding that sweet spot in her voice. And check out her new album, Reckless Abandon. You gotta do it. So, sisters, before we get on with the show, had a trip up north this week to Minnesota. And because of schedules and games and conflicts, our family had to split up into two different groups. So, okay, Scott and Cole went up early. It was a hockey tournament. And then the rest of the kids and I actually rented a minivan and drove up there so we could all ride back in one car together. Oh, so we didn't nice. have two cars on the way back. Good idea. So I went to Avis, rent a car. We got this really nice white Chrysler Pacifica, and I'm driving it off the lot, and then, you know, I stop at the red light. The car goes dead. Uh-oh. I didn't hear the engine. I didn't hear the motor anymore, and I'm like, great, I'm going to drive this, you know, eight hours on the road, and this thing is dying, and this is supposed to be a new car. So... Then the light turns green and I press the gas and the car starts up. It's like, Vroom. so you stop at a stoplight. This must be an environmental thing because it shuts down every time you idle. Totally shuts down. Well, I don't know if you can't hear it, but I'm sure it probably doesn't completely shut down, but it feels like it does. Okay. So
2: Rachel, this is what I'm thinking. Either you're dead on or this is a blonde interpretation of what the car is doing. <laughs> that could be it too. Okay, you guys, there's going to be no idling in our show today. Nope. full feet ahead. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back with contemporary Christian and worship singer today, Brandon Heath. Keep it right here with your
3: radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. Brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology.
1: Bye.
0: Celebrities on your radio station Back to the Mulberry Lane Show Now, here's Mulberry Lane
3: Five Dove Awards Five Grammy nominations An Emmy Award And BMI's 2014 Songwriter of the Year Singer-songwriter Brandon Heath Has accomplished a lot Now his latest album is No Turning Back And today you're going to hear about that And the stories behind the songs No turning back With Brandon Heath
2: Today you'll get a front row seat yeah! Yeah!
5: <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> thank you. Good job.
2: <laughs> Great to have you with us.
5: There's something about Sister Harmony. It could not be tighter. It was oh, awesome.
3: Thank you. So now, it's your sixth studio album, and this one tells some impactful moments of your life. Would you say this is your most personal album yet?
5: I would say it's one of the most personal, but for me it was really about going back to the summer of... 1995. A little over 20 years ago is when I made the commitment to follow Jesus. And it was through an organization called Young Life, which is really an outreach to high school kids. So I was a high schooler. I was 16. I had no idea that the decision that I was going to make would literally change my life. And so there's a lot of gratitude from me in this record to what God's done in my life, and and that's really what it's about.
3: Now, looking back you know, 20 years and then writing this album at this point in time, Mm -hmm. were there some things in writing this that you didn't realize before that kind of came clear?
5: Yeah, I didn't understand how powerful forgiveness was, for sure. I mean, I knew there was forgiveness on the cross, but I didn't know that I could practice forgiveness and literally change lives with it. And forgiveness is really one of the most potent forms of love. And God knows that love can change the world. But for me, I think that's one thing that I was pleasantly surprised to find that it really can change not only my life, but other people's lives. I think that's one thing. And then another is prayers being answered like a wife and (laughs) uh, just fun things that happen in my life later on. So. Those are things that are in the album. I always do that with records, though. I, I'm a little bit more of an autobiographical singer. I like singing about my own story. Okay. So.
3: Mm-hmm. Girl of My Dreams is about your wife. Yeah. Did that song just flow out of you, or was that difficult to write when you're writing something so personal and meaningful?
5: <laughs> Nothing just flows out of me. <laughs> so, Honestly, I was so nervous to write her a song before we got married. Okay. <laughs> um, even after, I'd never really written her a song. She had inspired songs before, but I'd never written one for her. So yes, there was a lot of pressure. The pressure was gone after we were married. I was like, oh, I can do this. Right? You know? <laughs> it's like taking the training wheels off and realizing this is not nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be. Okay, so, so now did you
3: play it for her as you were writing, or did you wait till it was done?
5: I waited until it was done. Like, I'd even recorded it for the record.
3: And what was her reaction?
5: Well, I didn't know when I was going to play it for her. I thought maybe I would just, like, we always have a CD release party, and I thought maybe that's when I would surprise her with it. But we were at a retreat with a bunch of other people, and I was sharing music, and so I was like, okay, now's the time I'm going to share it. It just felt right. Mm -hmm. So she says that when I sang it, She didn't even hear the words. She just got really hot. (laughs) So she was like, it's so
1: hot right now. I'm really hot.
5: said, okay, could you sing it to me again? Because I couldn't even pay attention.
3: Yeah, absorb it later. Yeah. Yeah. Singer-songwriter Brandon Heath here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Title song, No Turning Back. Talk about how that one came together, because that features all sons and daughters.
5: Yeah, I wrote that song with all sons and daughters, but it's really... Based on the old hymn, I decided to follow Jesus. Okay. I was telling you guys about Young Life earlier. There's a camp that I went to as a kid, and that's where I made the decision. I have given a lot of my time over the past 20 years, not to sound like I'm a saint or whatever, but I have volunteered quite a bit at this camp, and one thing that we do at the very end of the week is we call it Say So. Okay. And for anyone who's made a decision to follow Jesus, we stand up in front of everybody, and you tell everybody for the first time publicly that you have decided to follow Jesus. Okay. I mean, honestly, I wrote that song to sing at camp. Okay. And the label loved it and thought it should be the single, so there you go.
2: Okay. That's really interesting, because you weren't really writing it for the masses. You were writing it for a more specific audience.
5: Yeah. I uh-huh. was totally thinking about young people singing that song in celebration to the decision they've made in their life. Yeah. So. so Now,
3: as a Christian artist, when it comes to writing songs, do you find yourself more writing to share your faith and your personal experience with those who share the faith? Or do you find yourself, you know, wanting to be persuasive to those who may not
5: be there? You know, I have to say, it's kind of embarrassing, but I really don't think about either. Okay. I have just found... That if I tell my story, my story is your story. Mm -hmm. So somebody is going to connect with it. Yeah. I know that some people really think about that a lot like, okay, I really want to have a message for the church, or I really want to have a message for people who don't necessarily know God. But for me, my motivation is usually just to tell my story. Okay. Somebody's going to connect with it.
2: Yeah. So when you're doing that, Do you ever get too specific and you're like, wow, no one will relate to this part
5: of me? (laughs) You know, you would think. I have a song called I'm Not Who I Was where I get very specific. Okay. For whatever reason, it was my first number one. It doesn't even have a chorus. Wow. So, you know, it kind of broke the rules. And Uh I think that's what's so fun for me to realize that there really are no rules in songwriting yeah. or sharing your faith.
2: Did your label you know? like it, or did they have to come around to it since it wasn't really formulaic?
5: You know, my label loved it immediately. I think there were some at radio that had to come around to yeah. it because okay. they didn't quite know what to do with it. Uh-huh. It was like a relationship song, but listeners loved it uh-huh. for whatever reason. They were requesting it a lot. They were writing emails about it. There was a need and a demand for it, and so radio took that into account, and it was really the song that put me on the map.
3: Okay, we're going to leave it right there for a second. We'll be back with more from Brandon Heath right after this. You're listening to The Mulberry Lane
4: Show. I wish you could see me now I wish I could show you how I'm not who I was I used to be mad at you on the hurts I do but I'm not who I was I found my way around to forgiving you some time ago but I never got to tell you listen a photograph i saw me and i had to laugh you know i'm not who i was you were there you were right above me and i wonder if you ever loved me just for
0: who i was yeah bringing you the stories behind the songs Back to the Mulberry Lane Show Brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry Now, here's Mulberry Lane Thanks for
3: keeping it here On the Mulberry Lane Show Right now, you're in the middle of a chat With Christian artist and singer-songwriter Brandon Heath Now, as we mentioned before, he's got five Dev Awards Five Grammy nominations Lots of other accolades to his name Right now, we're talking about The state of Christian music today You know, there are many genres Of Christian music But everything gets lumped as Christian, uh-huh. where would you like to see the industry go in the future?
5: Oh, I'm so glad. you. Do you have about an hour to talk about that? <laughs> no. I would love to see us take more risks. Okay. And I think that really requires the willingness of both the artist and the radio gatekeepers mm-hmm. and the labels and ultimately the audience, yeah. you know? That's why I was so thankful for I'm not, who I was doing really well, is that I think it did all those things, and it really ultimately gave me permission to try new things, and I think that's what we as artists should be doing. Yes. You know, it's, it's kind of our bread and butter, or the language that we speak, to just be able to speak freely. Mm-hmm. As artists, it's our responsibility to... Interpret the world as we see it. And so if we can't do that, if we don't have the freedom to interpret, then I feel like we're really limiting our ability to reach. I mean, think about if God had somehow put limitations on his creativity, we may not have dogs. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) We may not have toucans. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but God did not hinder his creativity. Nobody told him, okay, no, that blowfish in the ocean, that's really weird. <laughs> Nobody's going to get it, so you shouldn't do it. Right. That's but so But we true. look at that, we're like, whoa, that is so fascinating. I never thought of a fish being able to look like a balloon, but yeah. God, you're awesome. So, as a creator, I'm so thankful. I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful for the Rocky Mountains. I'm so glad that he didn't just stay the Kansas Plains. He was like, nope, I think there should be mountains. Thank you, Lord, that you took the risk in being creative.
2: And that's so interesting because God didn't stay in a box for what he created, so we shouldn't
3: really expect...
2: You know, the Christian no industry way. is the inbox. right? We
5: should be the innovators, shouldn't we? So now,
3: what do you think it is that is limiting the freedom?
5: The Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that a lot of us think that we are more comfortable with things when they have a label on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that makes us feel more like we can classify something... Okay, I know exactly what that is, so I'm okay to like that.
3: You know, that's music but... in general. All genres of music suffers mm-hmm. from that.
5: Yes, I would agree. I would agree that everybody feels that. You know, I wonder if they feel that way in pop music. I think in pop music, they certainly they want to have their radio hit, but... I feel like they feel a lot more freedom to try new things in the pop world. You think that's true?
2: I think that's true, but I do think that there's kind of a country-pop problem. Like, some things in pop are a little bit too country, and they say it's country, and some things in country are a little bit too pop.
5: But here's the thing. Nobody's really to blame. I don't want to be Mr. Finger Pointer here. I think we all just need to be maybe a little bit more open. But at the end of the day, we're going to like what we like. Mm -hmm. And you can't make anybody buy into whatever you're saying Mm -hmm. in a song, and you can't make somebody like a certain kind of music. We just like what we like. And I have a hunch that people like things that say what they have always wanted to say but never known how to say it. Right, Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I am going for. I just want to say things in a different way, and maybe that we were afraid to say it, but do it in a way that is kind of easy to swallow A yeah. spoonful of sugar you know? <laughs>
3: Exactly Singer-songwriter Brandon Heath here on the Mulberry Lane Show Brandon, what
5: is next for you? What's next for me? Well, I'm actually writing for my next record On to the next thing, which I love I mean, honestly, it really gets me excited to move on to new things So,
2: Any foreshadowing of what this uh, theme is going to be of the next album?
5: I'm just being open to whatever God is putting on my heart.
3: You're not thinking in the box.
5: Nope. I'm trying to stay out of the box.
3: Going to be a blowfish. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Well, Brandon, thanks so much for joining our show today. Really fun talking with you.
5: Oh, it was great talking to you guys. Thank you again
2: contemporary Christian and worship singer-songwriter Brandon Heath. When we come back, it's New York-based singer-songwriter Morgan James with a powerful and smoky voice. Keep hanging out here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology, where you get a look behind the music.
4: Look down from a broken sky Traced out by the city lights My world from a mile high Best seat in the house tonight Touch down the cold black top Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos Are those people going somewhere? Why have I never cared?
0: Music, arts, and lifestyle. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Morgan James is a
3: singer-songwriter, Broadway actress in her latest album, Reckless Abandon. You're going to want to download ASAP. Now, you're going to dig the soulful, jazzy vibe and that voice. But right now, meet Morgan James and get the scoop. Morgan James on the show. Reckless Abandon. Full of soul Hi there, thank you so much for having me Yeah, great to have you with us Okay, so now first we have to talk about that voice So, is this the voice you were born with Or did it take you a while to develop your voice?
6: Well, I suppose it it was a voice I didn't know I had for a long time You know, I studied... Classically, So initially I just wanted to train to be an opera singer, you know, and be on Broadway. And I idolized people like Audra McDonald and Barbara Cook. And I didn't know that I had this soulful voice, this other voice, until years later when I was, you know, unemployed in New York City and started singing in bars. And lo and behold, with sadness comes the blues, and then you find your real voice.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Now you had to have a good vocal teacher to help you, you know, develop the more soulful side along with the classical training as well. So... Talk about, you know, who you worked with and how that developed.
6: Yeah, you know, after Juilliard, I got, a, of course, a classical training at Juilliard, and I studied with Cynthia Hoffman, and I was, you know, a classically trained soprano. And after school, I really wanted a break from teachers, and I actually learned how to belt uh, by watching videos of Pavarotti. Wow. Okay, Aww. so I would like you sing that. along with the videos? or No, yeah, I would just, like, he's the best belter ever, so I <laughs> I watched him, and, And then I decided it was time to get a teacher because I was hitting some walls and I found Derek Rosenblatt, whom I still study with today.
2: So now when you were learning on your own, in that period, were you singing from the right spot, or did you kind of have to tweak that when you got back with the vocal teacher?
6: You know, I've always been technique-wise pretty you know, straight-laced. There are growing pains with nice. kind of stretching your work, because it's a living instrument, so sometimes you hit walls and you have to get around them, and so much of it is in your mind, because some of the things that we ask our voice to do, it's really more of bending your mind than it is really the instrument. The instrument can do it, but your mind is scared. Right, right?
3: yes. That is so true. Mm-hmm. So now, did you ever feel like your classical training held you back in like taking risks with your
6: voice at all I think initially it did because Uh classical training kind of teaches that you shouldn't use your chest voice yes yeah Mm -hmm. so now I feel like the classical training really helps me but I think for a while in my 20s I was scared I was like oh I'm gonna ruin my voice if I use my chest voice but that's just not true at all
3: now your voice has a lot of nuances so recording your voice did it take you a while to figure out the skill of working the mic and how to record your voice in the studio
6: yeah, recording my voice has been really, really difficult because I come from the theater tradition, Like, and my voice is really, really quiet and then really, really big the right. next minute. And uh-huh. I don't really have a, a studio voice. I don't have a, a voice really for recording. I really have a live voice. Okay. So we've had trouble finding the right mic. We've tried so many different mics, and we tried different mics for background vocals and different mics for lead vocals. And I think the problem that every engineer comes in contact with is that I... Distort very easily because right. to get the nuance of the quiet, you know, breathy things and the high, high things, yes. the same mic can't really take my loud stuff. Do so it's ever, been like, a challenge. sing in the back of the studio with the mic
3: like two or three feet away, like belting.
6: Well, we tried that a couple times, but then okay. you you lose the you lose the the roundness yeah. of the of the loud That's stuff. True. You know, cause the loud stuff still needs to be round and present. So it's it's been difficult. I think that on my first album, Hunter, we did everything on the same mic, which was kind of a probably a rookie mistake. But nice. interesting, going into different studios and seeing what other people go. Okay, I think I found it. I think I found the magic you know <laughs> yeah. solution. All right,
3: work. You're listening to singer songwriter Morgan James here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So now Reckless abandon is your first independent release, so has that yes. been freeing in a way or terrifying?
6: Well, at the beginning, I was really nervous and I was scared, and now it's totally freeing. I love it. I didn't have to ask permission for anything, and of course there were things that the label took care of that I quickly learned were more difficult than I anticipated. But all in all, I love it because I can get my music directly to my fans, and I'm really proud of what we made. Mm
3: -hmm. So now, did you work with different mics in recording this, and did you try different versions of songs and all of that? Talk a little bit about the process of getting it to completion.
6: Yes, I did. 90% of my vocals we did at Brooklyn Recording, where we recorded the band. And Andy Talb, the engineer there, borrowed this incredible mic, the prototype for the Sony mic that Celine Dion uses. And he thought that because we both have pretty big, dynamic voices, that it would be a good fit. And it definitely was. Oh,
2: awesome. Capturing the louds and the softs accurately.
6: Yes.
3: Now, you co-wrote a lot of the songs on this album, so your process of writing, do you keep your voice in mind and the flexibility of it in your writing process, or does that enter into it at all?
6: Yeah, I co-wrote all of the songs on this album, and of course, probably 30 more didn't make it uh, over the course of the year. I don't worry about whether the song is dynamic enough for my voice. On the outset I just try to write A good song And then I kind of Work on an arrangement And how I can make it More dynamic And how I can make it Suit what I want to do live You know
3: Yeah. Now you've done music And videos with Scott Bradley The postmodern jukebox But for someone Who might not be familiar With that phenomenon Explain the group And and your part in it
6: Well Scott and I uh, Have the same agent And our agent and manager Said oh you guys Should you know Get together And at the time I had never heard of them But basically He has a collective Of musicians That get together And do videos every single week, where they take a modern pop song and put it into a throwback style, for all different styles. So we got together. I actually ended up doing 10 videos with them, all told, and I did um, three different tours with them. It was a lot of fun, and it definitely helped grow my fan base. Okay.
2: Okay. Okay, cool. Regarding social media, is that something that you dig, or is that something on the checklist that you have to get done?
6: At the beginning, it was something I just had to do that everybody was telling me I needed to do. And now, it's just a part of my everyday. Um, I'm a total social media whore, and I, I love it. And, and so now, nobody has to tell me to do it. and I love engaging with people, and, and I also see the power that the fans have if you let them be a part of your world.
3: Okay, do you have a specific story about that at all?
6: I think my latest record is a testament to what magic can happen if you really put the power in the fans' hands and the fact that, you know, I've got this tour going and I'm going to these cities that I've never been to before and and all these people show up. And without a big, you know, marketing machine, without a label. And all that other stuff. Yeah. I tell them every night, I say, if nobody shows up, who am I going to sing for? You know, it's like, you're the reason that I get to sing every night. Uh Right. Okay, that's awesome. So now what's next for you? We have festival dates throughout the summer and we'll probably end up touring this record throughout the of the year, and I'm also hoping to produce this all-female Jesus Christ Superstar that I produce. so we're working on that as well.
3: Wow, you're, you're taking on a lot with that.
6: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's
3: exciting. All right, well, when that comes together, you'll have to come back on the show and let us know how it's going. Absolutely. Okay, well, Morgan, fun to talk with you. Oh, with so everybody. fun to talk with you. Thank you guys so much. Mm-hmm. New York-based songwriter and soulful
2: singer Morgan James. Stay right here with us on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. We'll meet you right back here after the break, and you're gonna meet New York Times best-selling kids author, Chris Grabenstein. See you around the corner.
1: When we met, you said that no one like me had ever come your way. And I couldn't wait. Every time just to get close to you again The smell of you Where well, it lingers in every space The mm-hmm, thought of you Was there in every single thought that I spent I gave you be a hmm. cool.
0: We've got you covered The Mulberry Lane Show Now, here's Mulberry Lane Well, he's a winner of all sorts of book
3: awards Chris Gravenstein joins your weekend to chat about his new book Welcome to Wonderland Beach Party Surf Monkey And yes, it's as fun as its title Now, if you've got a kid in the middle grades Or you have a middle grade outlook Check this book out But first, you're going to find out How Chris's background in improv comedy, advertising, playwriting, and screenwriting Came together to make him a New York Times Best-selling author
1: Welcome, welcome to the show
7: Chris Grabenstein. Well, welcome. Okay. It's good to be back in Nebraska. I was out there earlier this year because one of those awards I won was the Golden Sewer Award out there in Nebraska. Oh, so absolutely. Thank awesome. Thank you, kids of Nebraska.
3: Yeah. Okay, so now first, talk about the inspiration for Welcome to Wonderland Beach Party Surf Monkey. This kind of well, came from your personal experience.
7: Yeah, the whole Wonderland series, the first book in the series was called Welcome to Wonderland Home Sweet Motel. Now we got the second book, but it all came from my memories of my child when my dad would load us up into the family station wagon and drive for three days uh, from where we lived down to St. Petersburg, Florida, where my grandmother was, where we'd spend uh, two weeks in the middle of August in Florida. And I used to love those trips. We'd stop at goofy roadside attractions along the way. And then we'd get to Florida. We'd get to stay in a motel. And as a kid, I loved staying in a motel because someone else made up the bed every day and there was oh, yeah. a swimming pool and there were candy and soft drink machines. And the beach That's was when vacation there
3: were really vacations
7: yeah it, it was unbelievable I, and I said to myself what if I could be a kid who lived full-time in a motel and that's how the whole Wonderland series got started
3: okay so now your educational background is communications in theater you did a lot of improv comedy places where Bruce Willis and Robin Williams were so would you say that you are a performer? At heart?
7: Yes, I am I think that when I write I, I tell kids what's fun about being a writer is You get to act out every part in the okay. book So you get to be all the different characters And yeah, I, it's almost like I can hear them talking in my head And I put on the voices while I'm writing And I, mean, I still think of uh, Especially writing for kids I try to be more of an entertainer Than an author You know, I'm trying to make <laughs> books That kids who maybe don't like to read Will love to read
3: Okay, so now that whole improv side of things What did that teach you about storytelling?
7: To always say yes and follow your imagination, you never know where it's going to go. But actually, I go to kids and talk to kids at schools. I try to use some improv techniques to teach them how to do their first draft and never, ever have writer's block.
3: Okay. So now, do you ever deal with writer's block yourself?
7: No, because I do. I give myself permission to write a really bad, terrible, stinky, no good first draft. And if you do that, you'll never have writer's block because writer's block comes from when we're trying to be perfect the first time through and nobody is perfect the first time through.
3: So probably the improv background allowed you to give yourself the freedom to just go with it.
7: Exactly, because, you know, if you just don't shut yourself down and say yes to whatever comes up, you might end up in some really kind of unusual, crazy places you never could have gotten to if you had used your rational mind only.
3: Okay, now, do you ever get yourself in crazy, irrational places that you can't get yourself out of? Mm,
7: So far, I've been lucky. (laughs) I'm I'm still standing. uh, It's not happened yet.
3: (laughs) Okay. Author Chris Grabenstein here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, this book is paper overboard. So it's really cool, the graphics and everything. So explain a little bit about that.
7: I kind of like these books because they last longer. Instead of the uh, paper sleeve over it, they print the cover right on the hard cover. And so that means the price is a little bit cheaper, which is good for kids. And also, this book is spectacularly beautiful because they tell me, I don't know what this means, but it's done a five-color printing. So somehow the colors are all a little bit more vibrant. Yeah, it's it's really
3: a cool cover. I love it.
7: Yeah, and then we have the tremendous Brooke Allen, who's a great illustrator, who does the graphic novels about the lumberjanes, who did all the illustrations in this book. Okay. uh, I'm very fortunate to have her talent on board, too.
3: So now, what led you to the middle grade
7: market? Well, you know, I had written a ghost story for adults because I used to write mysteries and stuff and thrillers for adults. An editor read and said, this would be great for middle school readers if you cut out all the adult language and adult situations and <laughs> cut 70,000 words out of it. And my agent said, do you want to do that? And what did the old improv guy say? Yes. Okay. we always say yes. So I jumped in and I did it and I discovered in that process that I had an inner 12-year-old okay. begging to get out.
3: So is that fun, always indulging your inner
7: 12-year-old? Yes, it is. It's a lot of fun. I I realize I'm, like, permanently in the sixth grade. (laughs) (laughs) So now what's next? Well, the next book coming out in the fall of my own is the third book in my Lemoncello series, which is okay. the first book is the one that won the award there in Nebraska. Okay. And then there's going to be a movie of that first book Escape from Mr. Lemoncello's Library will be on Nickelodeon this fall.
3: Okay, so now are you screenwriting for
7: that? No, it, it's always better if you turn that over to trained professionals. You know, okay. The book is like 300 pages long a movie script's going to be 90 pages long, so Can we have a
3: say in the outcome and casting at all? Not on this
7: movie, but they did a terrific job. I got to go out to Vancouver and saw the set and met the cast and got to hang out with Casey Simpson from Uh one of the Nickelodeon hit shows, and it was fun.
3: Okay, so what's it like to see your words turn into a movie?
7: It's pretty amazing because all these stories usually come out from a little idea you had while you were out walking the dog early one morning, mm-hmm. and you came into this little tiny room in my apartment in New York City and wrote and wrote and wrote on it for two years, and all of a sudden all these pigments of your imagination are springing to life. It's not just this imaginary library. They built a huge set of the library, and it was pretty incredible. Cool to see
3: that come to life.
7: Yeah. So now
3: a lot of kids and adults dream of writing that novel. So what advice do you have for the aspiring writer?
7: For the aspiring writer, I always tell kids in particular, if they want to be a writer, to write a good short story first with a beginning, a middle, and a twist. And Because books Yay. take a long time. like Mr. Lemontrell's library took two years. These Wonderland books take about a year to write. So, and kids have to go to soccer practice and stuff like that. <laughs> but if you can write a story that's got a beginning, a middle, and a twist, and makes your readers go, oh, and always write as if no one wants to read what you've just written, that you have to earn the reader's attention with every single word. Word, every sentence, every page.
3: Okay, so really think about it. every word.
7: And keep it fun and That's why I still do Think of myself As an entertainer And I think we'll Welcome to Wonderland Beach Park Surf Monkey got a great summer book Because it's a fun book To read And even for kids Who say I don't like to read It's the kind of book That they won't be able To put down So
3: when they're In the minivan With their family Going to their Family vacation Pick up the book And it'll be a good read
7: It'll be a great read And if they also They're in the car There's an excellent Audio book of this book Okay That uh, I think Audio books in the summer Would be a wonderful thing. Family vacation tool.
3: And where can they get the audiobooks? Is there an they can app?
7: get those wherever online. They can download it, of course, from all the audio app places. And it's everywhere. Okay. It's available wherever fine books are sold. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right, Chris. Well, it's great to get to know you better. And next one's out. Come on back.
7: All right. Thank you
3: kids author chris grabenstein chris thanks for bringing your insight your humor and sharing with us your very unique path in your career and welcome to wonderland 2 beach party surf monkey sounds like a perfect summer read Okay, sisters, who else? Well, big hugs to worship and contemporary Christian singer, Brandon
2: Heath. Brandon, thanks for coming on the show today, talking about your latest release and what inspires the songs. Always great to get an up-close and personal look for someone who's rocking their genre of music, and thanks for the inspiration today. That's right. Okay, sisters, who else do we need to thank? Well, musical high fives to singer and soulful songwriter Morgan James. She's got a powerful voice. And guys, you got to check out her latest album, Reckless Abandon. You won't regret it. Well,
3: that wraps up another show for another weekend. So glad you guys could be here with us. Now remember... Same time, same place. We'll be right here next weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep, you can just set your phone alarm on repeat
2: every weekend because we're going to meet you right here. That's good. <laughs> Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. <laughs>